Well, turn with me to the gospel now before too much more time gets away from us. Um, we find ourselves this morning in one of the most familiar places and on the most familiar ground in the gospels, the third chapter of John. You'll recognize the story. It will sound very familiar to you. If you are comfortable standing, now is the time. We do so in order to receive the gospel with appreciation and respect. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed... God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember sitting in Mrs. Finney's Sunday school class when I was a little guy. I had finished in the nursery and the toddler's room, and I'd moved over to the first place where I got to sit in a circle of chairs and learn about the Bible and about Jesus and about the church and Mrs. Finney was my teacher's name. I knew her name because her husband was our milk delivery man. Now that dates me, doesn't it? How long has that been? I sat in the circle of chairs and I learned about Jesus and the Bible and the church and we memorized that verse, John 3.16 and I have never forgotten it. We worked on it for weeks. Well, I think the kids got it before Mrs. Finney did. But we worked at it, and we learned it, and we talked about it, and I've never forgotten. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, in those days we said his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. I imagine you can... Recite that verse from memory too. You've known it for a long time, haven't you? 
Do you remember when you learned it and where and who it was who taught it to you? It's likely that you do. I rarely talk with anybody in the church who doesn't know and remember those things about John 3.16. But I want to point out to you today something about that verse that we know so well, something you might have overlooked. And I suggest that because it's something that I overlooked for a long time and I was reminded of it this week as I looked at that verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. The focus of that verse is Jesus. God gave his only son. And it is God, the creator's desire to focus us on Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit's desire to focus us on Jesus. And so we learn that God gave us his only son. And it's important to believe in Jesus and to know that believing is not just a matter of what we think in our heads. Believing involves everything we're able to do. Trusting and respecting and serving and following and loving and giving. All of that is believing in the way that we are called to believe in Jesus. In the way that the Bible uses the word believe. It's not just a cognitive exercise. It's something that involves all we're able to be and do. And then there's eternal life. This is God's promise for those who follow and serve and give themselves to Jesus. That is, to those who believe in Jesus, they are promised the gift of eternal life. So there there we have Jesus and believing in Jesus and the gift of eternal life. But did you notice that I skipped something in the verse? I skipped something in John 3.16. And in fact, I want to suggest to you that I skipped the most important part. And I skipped it for years. The most important part, shouldn't surprise you, I tell you this all the time. Remember, always pay particular attention to the first thing and the last thing. The first thing is, for God so loved the world. That's the most important thing there. Because if it weren't for that, if it weren't for for God so loved the world, none of the rest of it would follow. If, if we didn't have, for God so loved the world, we wouldn't have any of the rest of it either. Because it was, it was because God so loved the world that God gave His Son. It was because God so loved the world that God calls us to follow Jesus. And it was because God so loved the world that God offers us the gift of eternal life. So, so I, I want to, I want you to think about that today and, and consider that, for God so loved the world is the most important part of that verse. And yes, it's the part that we tend to, to skip over. It's the part that, that, um, that, that we tend to, to move past in a hurry to get to those really important things that, that follow, that follow it. Um, I've come to the conclusion that, that that phrase, which we tend to pass over on the way to more significant things, is, is the very phrase that should stop us in our tracks. For God so loved the world. That's the, that's the revolutionary thing. The incredible thing. The unbelievable thing that needs to fascinate us. For God so loved the world. That was the thing that, that, that rocked the Jews in the first century when Jesus said it to them. That's the thing that rocked Nicodemus when Jesus said it to him. The notion that God loves the world. That God, that, that God puts himself all in for the world that God created. A Sunday school teacher once asked her students to talk about 
how they felt about their church. And the students responded in the usual ways that teens do. Some of them talked about their favorite food at covered dish dinners. I hope you didn't miss the ham loaf dinner last night. That was really good. So that's what the kids did. They talked about some of their favorite foods at covered dish dinners, or they talked about the basketball court in the gym, or they, they talked about the Coke machine in Fellowship Hall. I don't think we have one of those here, do we? How about that? Some of them said silly things that got the rest of the class to laugh. So when the teacher asked the kids to talk about how they felt about their church, there were all kinds of responses. They were all over the map. But there, there was a, a girl in the class who was new. She hadn't been there very long. And, and she was still at the place where she felt uncomfortable about entering into the class discussions and joining with the other kids in some of their banter. And so she, she'd been in the class for a little while, but, but she'd never raised her hand and she'd, she'd never answered a question or really volunteered to say anything. But that Sunday, that Sunday, when the, when the teacher asked, what do you think of your church? She had an answer for that teacher because she already had some feelings and some impressions about her church. And, and what she was feeling about about this church was so, so strong that she just had to say it. And so she put up her hand. The teacher was delighted to call on her. And she said that, that going to church was like walking into the heart of God. Like walking into the heart of God. That's what I want my church to be like. That's what I want people who come here to experience. Whether, whether it's to a worship service or a Sunday school class or a basketball game or an AA meeting or, or a committee meeting or just, or just to shovel snow out on the sidewalks. I want them to feel like coming here and being here is like walking into the heart of God. And, and if, if we can do all that we can to make that happen, we will have finally gotten the significance and the meaning and the importance of John 3.16. For God so loved the world. If we can start there, then everything else will fall into place and follow in line. Because everything else, well, all of it is God's work. That's what I want my church to be. Like walking into the heart of God. I want people who come here to feel like they are walking into the heart of God. That will do more to draw people to Christ than all the altar calls and the tearful prayers offered by repentant sinners. To have people feel as if they are walking into the heart of God when they come into this place or when they, they come into our fellowship wherever we are. Jenny, on the other hand, found fault with everything about the church. From the teaching methods to the time of worship, she resented her parents forcing her to go to church and Sunday school every week. She would sit in her class with her arms folded across her chest, slumped in her chair, and in the back of the room, refusing to say a word. She wouldn't make friends. She wouldn't participate in the discussion. She wouldn't do the activities. Jenny was resentful, and it was clear to everyone that she didn't want to be there. But one night she came home to find her parents huddled in the driveway of their house, dressed in their bathrobes. The house was engulfed in flames. They watched all their worldly possessions consumed in the blazes as the fire department desperately worked to put out the fire. 
It was a tragedy she would never forget, a moment seared into her memory. And then, shortly after the fire, something happened that took Jenny by surprise. Some of the girls from her Sunday school class came to visit her. One of them handed her an envelope. She opened it with trembling hands to discover that there was some some money, some cash in that envelope. It's from everyone in the class, one of the girls said. We took a collection for you. Something that's not unusual, that happens a lot around here. Jenny was overwhelmed by the love and affection she was shown that day. She never really wanted to be a part of that class, but they showed her how much they cared for her, and it changed her life. I received a lot more than money that day, she said. I received the kind of unconditional love that God offers us and the fresh realization of what it means to be a part of a church family. For God so loved the world. If we start there, everything else falls into place and God's great dream for all God's creation comes true. Amen.